amongst the kids all the time. So forgive me if you're like, Marcus, you need to be standing up there. I can't do it. Just can't do it. Just not used to it. Um, I want to do something very, I need your participation. Uh-oh. What do you mean, Marcus? Again, I serve as youth pastor. Kids participate. So I need your participation. So are you ready to help me out? Oh, my gosh. That was horrible. <laughs> Let's try that again. Are you ready to help me out? Okay. I want to start with a phrase. One phrase. That's all you got to do. I'm going to start the phrase, and then when I point at you, you finish it. Are we all on the same page? So I'm going to start the phrase. Here it comes. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Let's try that one more time, because I think I need more energy, because that was okay. I was like, eh. That was, as our son would say, that was mid. Let's try a little better. Ready? Here we go. Sticks and stones may break my bones. That was a little better. Now, it always confused me with the phrase, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. So which one is it? As a kid, when you hear that, you're like, wait, wait, wait. So it don't hurt. I can't say nothing unless I say something nice at all. Anybody ever had that issue? Maybe it's just me when I think too much about quotes. You ever have quotes that you heard when you were young and you grow up, you're like, what the heck did that even mean? All the time. All the time. This one being one of them. But if we're honest with each other, right? If we're honest, words do hurt. Yes. Now, I grew, up in a, I grew up in a generation where words hurt, words more, matter more than ever. Back then, when my dad was alive, my mom was around, you would hear that phrase a lot. You would, let's be, let's be honest. You would hear that a lot. You may hear it now and then here, but we learned that over the last couple of years, words do matter. They do. So I think we should change the phrase. I remixed it. That means added something else to it, to the original. For you all don't know what remix means. So remixing means, again, I took the original, took some out, and put my part in. That's a remix. But I think the phrase should sound more like this. Sticks and stones, they break my bones, but words can also hurt me. What do you think about that? You like that one? Yeah. Me too. Because here's the thing. Words have feelings attached to them. Would you agree? Yes. Words I have a feeling, think about the song we just said for the one. I love that song, especially when it says, even in a smile. Because there's feelings attached to that, with those words. For example, I'm a, this is going to be a funny one. So everybody sees my shirt says Hope Dealer, right? You ready for the comedian part of it? So there's some people who came up to me like, wait, does that say Dope Dealer? <laughs> but even with that understanding, the words meant something there. Hope versus dope. There's, again, there's a difference. There's a, a, a thought that goes in your head when you think hope versus dope. I think that's still funny. I'm going to use that when I talk to my kids at mentoring. It's just funny. Think about those words that have been spoken to you still being. I'm serious. I'm going to let you think about it. Think about that. They hurt. Even to the point, if you, somebody said the word, even though you've healed from it, it'll still trigger something. Right? And you have to remember, Lord, okay. You have that issue where somebody said the word and you see the person's face that said it and you go off on them. Maybe that's just me. Because there are feelings attached to those words. They can stay with you for days, weeks, or even years. I'm 44 years old. There's still certain words that really strike me. Healed from them, it still puts a hole in my heart every now and then. But they also, there's words that encourage me. We'll get to that later on. Because I want to let, let you guys leave here 
with joy and encouragement. But first we have to get through the other stuff first. The most important stuff, which means words do matter. It's sad that there are people today, right now, myself included, who carry scars of the words that were said to them as a little child, to adulthood, even to the other statesmen, right? This. And I want to stress that point because I think if you look at the world we live in today, words are becoming more powerful than they ever had before. Mass shootings start out with somebody getting bullied by words. It always, you text words. Cyberbullying, right? Facebook bullying, Instagram bullying, TikTok. I can go on and on. Words do matter. And here's what's funny about this is there's sometimes words that people have said to you that they don't even remember saying to you. You ever had that problem? Yeah. You're like, I don't even remember saying that to you. And you're like, really? That tells me, well, maybe we need to let it go because they don't remember. You might want to forgive them because you're keeping yourself in prison. Just saying. That one's for free, as Pastor Chris would say. Because there's feelings attached to words. No matter if you're a guy or a girl, love my dudes, but we try to hide it like most, most of us. Men, we're not supposed to share our feelings. No, no. Sorry, that's the high roll. My wife knows when I'm not doing well, I cry. Yes, I do. Sorry. That's what I do. Those words matter. Proverbs 18.21 reads like this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love it to talk will reap the consequences. Mm. I like that version. And bring death or life. So I had an image in my head. We just got done playing Nerf Wars. Forgive me. But when you load a Nerf War gun, you load bullets, right? Put them in there. Well, your mouth is a weapon. Your words are bullets. Or they can be something that brings you back to life, like a defibrillator, right? There, you back up. But your words are bullets. So let's use that imagery for a minute. We need a safety. We'll get to that in a minute, what the safety is. James 3, 8 through 10 says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. Stop trying. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. What? That's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. He wrote it. With it, we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. I'm going to stop right there. Notice that likeness. That means non-Christians and Christians alike. It's another word for any image of God. Imagine if we treated people as image bearers and spoke to them in that way. There's a term called a maho day, which means image bearer of God. Imagine if we did that. What would the world look like? From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things are not to be so, but they are, unfortunately. And I'm guilty of it just as some of us are. Because I'm not going to assume that everybody's like this. Because I'm not a generality type of person. I've never been that way. You don't ask my wife. I say, I don't do everybody. I don't, that's not me. Because it takes that one person not to be that everybody and it messes the whole thing up. <laughs> but did you catch that? No human being tame the tongue. Human beings, right? So we can't tame the tongue. I think sometimes that our, we forget that our words really make a difference. Both good and bad. As a Christ follower, you have to be very careful the words we speak. Or now than ever. They're looking. The world, which means those who don't believe, the world is looking for a reason. Yes. Just for one reason. It could be the words you say not to believe. Actions, yes, they, come, they attach to words. But again, remember, words are attached to feelings, right? 
So as Christ followers, we've got to be very careful how we are communicating the gospel with our words, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It starts with our words. All right? Yes, we preach the gospel, be nice, kind, but our words are what brings them into the presence of the Lord, how we speak. Here's the thing that really gets me, how we speak to each other. Jesus said, you will know that, no, you're my disciple by how. Words matter. Like Pastor Chris had just mentioned, one of the five love languages is words of affirmation. Mm. For some of you, words hurt. Words can build up. It's not one of my love languages, but I like encouraging words, don't get me wrong. Because everybody likes to be encouraged every now and then, right? So if we can't control the tongue, who can? Ah, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We always forget about him every now and then. I always joke with the kids. He's the uncle in the corner with the coats hanging all over him. We don't necessarily talk about him too much. I get a better laugh out of them, but anyway. But, anyway. but you need him. You need him. I need him. We need him. He empowers us to be like Christ. He empowers us to do the things that he has called us to do, which is speak life. Because there are words attached to feelings and feelings attached to words. So if you're anything like me, <laughs> this, this is funny. I saw this, I had to show my wife, she started laughing. This image is coming up, don't show you it, Natasha. You ever be in one of those situations, there it is. <laughs> I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Tanya, that reminds me of you sometimes. <laughs> you ever be in one of those situations where somebody just crosses you the wrong way? And you're like, God, if I'm about to lose my salvation, help me. <laughs> Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's you talking to yourself. Because you can't kill yourself with your words. It's a whole different conversation. And the Holy Ghost is like, shh. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Do you know what else is one? Kindness and gentleness. I hear a funny story. This is an example of this right here. So I love basketball. Anybody knows me, I get passionate about my basketball. Honey, stop shaking your head. I see you back there. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So one time at an AAU game, I was giving the rest business. I was letting him have it. He was missing calls up and down the court. I was giving him the business. It wasn't so nice and kind either. It wasn't even gentle. It wasn't even. So one day in my prayer, <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I need you to be kind to refs. I said, what do you mean, Lord? They're referees. No, 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 no. I need you to be kind to my refs. If anybody knows me, I have Christian apparel all over. I wear it. I wear it because it's like a billboard for me. It starts off conversations. I've had some cool conversations based off some of the clothes I wear. So imagine me sitting there giving the, the referees the business. I'm wearing that. Tal, you can say that again if you want to. Praise God. So fast forward to a game at EC. This is the rival at Leary High. We lost that game because we couldn't make free throws. Anyway, I'll, I'll go on. Six for 17. That's a lot of free throws. That's 11 points. Anyway. I, referee was still missing a lot of calls. I said something very kind out of kindness of my heart. Didn't say anything mean. And one of the kids' fathers on the team said, you're very nice to the referees. I wouldn't be. I was like, oh, Lord. Man. It wasn't about me. It was about God working through me. Because I am representing him with the Christian apparel I got on. 
Because words have feelings attached to them. Bottom line number one, our words to one another really do matter if we can ever realize. See, I like that picture of a microphone. I don't know if you see that in the background of speakers. Your mouth is a microphone. It's also a speaker, too. Your heart, all that. With that being said, the title of today's teaching is Encouraging One Another, The Power of Words. Now I need your participation again, but you don't have to say anything. I just want you to think. I want you to think about a time when you were really down. That's like two weeks ago for me. I mean, you were just in a bad place. Like pretty much, Chicken Little said, the sky's falling. But it really isn't, but it was in your season that you're in. <laughs> you may not have looked like death, but you felt like it. Somebody walked past you like, whoo! What is wrong with you? You need Jesus. Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. And someone said something very encouraging to you while you were there. I guarantee that's happened to a lot of us in this room. And then boom, your heart began to fill with joy. Just thinking about that as when it happened to me. It happens to me when you read or hear people say things to you. And your heart leaps. Boy. You're able to lift your head a little bit higher than you were before. And for a person whose love language is words of affirmation, they walk out the sunshine. Because that means something to them more than a normal person. That's their love language. How did that person's encouraging words make you feel? I told a story to Ruth. I said it here before, but I remember... Last year at camp, enemy was really doing his thing. I was not having a good Tuesday. It was this miscommunication. I, it was just the enemy. Let's just keep it real. I was walking back. I remember walking back to, if you've ever been to Heartland, dorms are this way when you're walking back this way. So I'm walking back from the field. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm going to need some encouragement. So what he does is what he did for Elijah. He told me to take a nap. <laughs> and I did. I actually, that's the first time I ever actually took a nap. I can't, well, I took it before, but this is actually actually being a staff. I actually took a nap. Following subsequent night, a lot of stuff happened. Holy Spirit was moving as he always does. By the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't just move at camp. He moves here, but that's a whole different conversation. At the end of it, I, you know, I, I ran, cried, and the Holy Spirit was hitting me hard. I came back. And the young lady, I'm not going to say her name because I, I didn't get permission from her, said, hey, one of the youth pastors brought her to me and said, hey, I was told to tell you this. I want to encourage you. Encourage Marcus. Come on. I'm like, really, God? You do hear me. How did has that ever happened to you? How did that make you feel? So we're going to get two biblical accounts, historical accounts. I don't use biblical stories because for some reason the word Bible stories really bothers me because everything in the Bible is real. It happened. So what I tell the kids is there's a historical account. I use that word. And they get it because I know sometimes like, what does that even mean, Marcus? So I explained it to him. So there's a historical account between, that we know well of, that we're very well versed in. It's when Jesus gets baptized. It's not up there. And I told Natasha about it, so she's all right. Thank you, Natasha. So when Jesus was baptized, it's in Matthew 4, 16, or 3, 16, he went up immediately from the water. Heaven suddenly opened from him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, first, let me pause there. That is the Trinity live and in color. Yes. Marcus, I don't believe in the Trinity. What's that right there? I didn't write it. It's right there. But there's also a cool part that was brought to me when I was listening to Louis Giglio talking to one of my favorite artists, entrepreneurs, authors. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. 
Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Do you catch that? Jesus hasn't done anything yet. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. But what does he say? This is my, he didn't say this is my son. He said this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Some of you guys need to hear that right now. Though that was a reference to Jesus, somebody need to hear that God saying, you are my beloved son or daughter, and I am well pleased. Oh, no, but I, no. he didn't say he was pleased in what you were doing. He said he's just well pleased in you. Because as a father, I always tell my kids, I would, you're never a disappointment to me. I am disappointed in what you did. Because words matter. There are feelings attached to them. So when God the Father said that, just think, I know what I mean when I hear that. When I reverse that in my head, I'm like, oh, I ain't I can walk outside. I can go take fight a line right now. My father, our father in heaven, is already well pleased with me. Fathers, let me talk to you real quick. Ladies, you can listen in too. There's something different when your father says something to your son or daughter. Yes. It's a different feel. It hits differently. Yes, it is. One of my favorite movies, Jake's too. Courageous. Love that movie. Next to Lion King. Lion King is my favorite movie of all time. Somebody's like, well, I thought Spider-Man was. That's the third favorite. But I was watching it the other day. Again, I watch it a lot. And the interactions after the revelation between the main characters and their, their kids, it's different. It's to us. The scene where the main character is talking to someone who run and says, I may not have started well, but I'm going to finish well. Fathers, let me help you out with something real good, real quick. You, your words hit different. They do. Mothers, your words hit different too. Because words have feelings attached to them. So when Jesus was said by his heavenly father, by God the Father said, hey, you are, this is my beloved son. That's why we're back on. God said, in saying, you're my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased. But that's it for a minute. How do you think that made Jesus feel? Well, it makes me feel every morning. See, one thing I do, I do mindful meditation. And no, it's not meditation like the non-believers do. <laughs> my man Levi said it best. I love Levi, by the way. Levi's the man. That's my dude. He said, pagan meditation is when you get rid of everything. Christian meditation is when you get rid of everything but God. Amen. I'm like, I'm going to steal that, hold it, and use it. You're not going to get no credit. So when I meditate in the morning, my prayer for meditation is, one of the things I say is, I am a child of God. But I know as soon as I get up, the enemy's already at my, 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 my doorstep. I remember when Louis Giglio did the Don't Let the Enemy Sit at Your Table for Right Now Media. Now, does anybody remember what he said he did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And a specific phrase for every day he would say. One of them was, I was a child of God. No weapons formed to get me so prosper. These present sufferings will compare, compare, don't compare to God's glory in the morning. He had seven of them. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. My God fights for me. Seven of them. And every morning I try to save them. And any additional things the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. Because who knows? You know the enemy comes at you even while you're asleep. And he definitely going to get you while you're awake. And how did the enemy... How did Jesus resist the enemy in the, the word of God? <laughs> Feelings attached to the word. I have been around young people. I've been around adults. I've been around younger people. It's a matter of the age group. Words do matter. Some of us just hide it better. 
for honest. But just think when Jesus heard those words. When you hear those words, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. Affirmation. You can go do anything. Nothing can separate you from his love or disappoint you. Nothing. I think sometimes we need to grasp that from God. Yes, God is holy. Let's not forget that because some people forget that part. That's a whole different conversation. He's kind. But he's loving too. These are attributes. This is who he is. Let's move on to my man, Paul. We all know Paul's story, right? We don't. He was, on way. he was one of the, man, this dude was just rough with Christians. Just, he, he persecuted Christians like it was his job. Actually, it was his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loved every bit of it until he met this person named Jesus on Damascus. It's something about when you meet Jesus face to face. Mark said, no, you know what I mean? When you have an encounter with him yes. that changes your life, you can't even explain it. Yep. That's Paul. So he was on fire for persecuting Christians. Now he was on fire and sharing the gospel to the Gentiles. Who tell me God ain't good? He wrote letters to the church like the following. It was one, three through eight. Every time I think of you, give thanks to my God. Mm. I get an encouraging word right now. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. From the time you first heard and until now. And I am certain, everybody loves this verse, that God who began a good work within you will, will continue his work until it's finally finished on a, when the day Christ Jesus returns. Hallelujah. Can't wait for that day, by the way. So it is right that I should feel as I do about you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and conform, confirming the truth of the good news. God knows, I love this part, how much I love you and long for you, the tender compassion of Christ. My goodness. How do you think the people of Philippi felt when they got that letter? By the way, Paul's in prison. He wrote this. Let me give you some context. Some of us are in prison right now, but we're free, but that's a whole different message. Paul's in prison. He's writing this because having that helps him where he's at. Having those people encourage him, however they do with words, helps him where he's at. So in my Bible, I have this Bible, by the way, my wife got me this Bible. My wife and my son got this, this beautiful thing, all this. If you flip to the front, I'll show you this part. I have a lot of stuff, you can't see it. Put that part right there. Letters written to me. For those moments, because youth pastor, serving as youth pastor is hard. Serving as a pastor is hard, period, no matter what your title is. Because not only are you have to work through your stuff, you have to help people work through theirs. By the way, pastors are humans. Just want to throw that out there. So make sure we do need prayer too. We do need help from everybody else. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for the community that he's given me. But when I get down, I open those letters. I read them. This one. This one, and many more. Because like Paul, sometimes you need that. That reminder that there's somebody else out there praying for you. I love the part where he says, God knows how much I love you and that you hold a special place in my heart. As I said before, how do you think Paul's words made the Christians in Philippi feel? If you were getting that letter, how would you feel? Again, I would start skipping. It would be kind of weird for y'all right now, but I would start skipping. I would start leaping with joy knowing that that's how somebody thinks of me. We have that in the community. We forget how powerful our words are. I think we sometimes forget to tell each other 
that we truly thank God for each other. 2020, we all know what 2020 is. Being on Chronicle, being on talk about, we're going to talk about, being on talk about it. If anything has taught me that, you don't know when you're going to go. Don't. A rough year. Still take, having effects from that year. There's still stuff there from that year. I mentor young men in Northwood, Eastern Heights, and Leary High, and they don't even know what to do sometimes with adversity like that. But what that taught me is you make sure, no matter what your mood is, you say I love you to your wife, to your kids, to your friends, whoever. You don't know. And I'm not trying to get all down. I'm just being honest. Because your words are important. There's feelings attached to your words. And sometimes we forget to tell each other how thankful to God we are. What I mean but it's not that I thank, thank you. Well, no, truly from here. Because if you read Paul, he said from the heart. That's a heart letter. He may have been writing it, but his heart was writing it for him. There's something really powerful that happens we say the or write words with purpose of encouraging one another. Sometimes it's just your verbal, right? I was mentioning this young man, and I remember <laughs> he's one of those men, young men who goof off a lot because everybody expects him to. Kind of reminds me of me when I was young, honestly. <laughs> I looked at him, and I told him, said, stop being what everybody expects you to be and be who God created you to be. That was the Lord, because I was sitting there fuming, not at him, but like, the Lord, what is, that was that holy discontent for me. There's going to be points in your life where you're going to have to tell that to your son or your daughter or to your wife or husband, but do it in love. So that's the most important. The tone of your words has an effect, too. The tone. Sometimes it's not how you say it. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. I've learned that a lot with my wife and with our kids. I've had to learn about my tone. Thank God for the lesson, right? God made us for community. That is why we shouldn't forsake the assembly. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. God made us for community. That's why we shouldn't forsake the assembly. Many people, because of whatever, whether it's church hurt, conflict, have left the church of God at an alarming rate. Not here, just a big church. See, for whatever reason. Guarantee words has something to do with it, though, right? What I love about this verse is what it says. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. To provoke, to encourage, to spur. Think about a spur, you think about a horse. What does a spur do to a horse? It tells us what we're going, how we do it. Sometimes you want to spur other people and kick them in the head. But that's not what I'm talking about. Metaphorically speaking, provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing Yes, there are some who don't want to come to the community. Now, small groups are an extension of the community of church. Let me help you understand that. Some of us who say we want a small group, I'm good. No, 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 no. That's the extension of the church. That you're, you need to connect with a local church, a local body. Parks, I go to a small group. Yes, I know that. That's not the local community and body as a whole. That's parts. But some are in the forsaking of doing it, and that's okay with them. Let them do that. All the more as you see the day approaching. Don't assume that others know how you feel. I don't. Assumption, I ain't, yeah, there's a phrase with that I'm not even going to use, but we know what happens when you assume. <laughs> right? We, all, we know what happens. And let them know your talents, and, let them know the talents and gifts that you see in them. As scripture said, do it, do this as the day draws near, which is a way of saying, that we never know how much time we may have to bless one another. Amen. We're all work in progress, right? So that's something we're going to jump out here and start doing. 
work in progress. There's, the word progress means as you go. Take the opportunity today to encourage one another. So, back in Oxygen, we did a series called Community because the Lord put it on my heart to teach the kids about the importance of coming to church because if there's anything you learn about youth, <laughs> some days they're here, some days they're not. Sorry, that was me. And at the end of it, I gave him one of these. It says, Oxygen Community. And behind it, it says, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. So I want them to understand what oxygen, what cross-community church is. It's a community of believers coming together to encourage one another, to promote love and good works. And even at their age, they can make that happen. We just got to do a, I won't say a better job, we just got to do a, continue to do a job and encourage them to do that. Because again, I, I deal with a lot of kids, my brother outside in here. One thing I've learned about them, what you say, even though they hide it, post it on Instagram, wherever, it means more to them than you ever know. That's a whole different message. So I charge that to you. Go out there, in here. Pray for one another. Kiss one another. You have friends, you have community, but also do it here. That's why we come to church. I love when I come here some days and I'm not feeling and somebody says something nice. Hi, Mar- Hi, Hi Pastor Marcus. How are you doing? I'm like, oh, why? How are you doing? Pastor's good at that for me. He's always greeting me. Always. I'm not saying none of y'all do. Calm down. Just saying. Who else is good at that? Bottom line number two. We are called to encourage one another. Our words can build each other up or tear each other down. There's a, there's a prayer that I pray every morning. Lord, set a guard around my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. That's in Proverbs. Every morning. Well, here's how we're going to close. I'm going to play a song. We all know this song. But what I really want you to do, close your eyes. And let this song not only bless you, but encourage you for the rest of your, the week and the rest of, the, and rest of your life. And then I'll come up and pray. Go ahead and play the song, Mary. Give me the lights now. The Lord bless you. to you the Lord turns